Hi, you are listening to Mediation Station, and this is your host, Greg Fenton. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. Also visit YouTube channels for both CHHA, 1610AM, and Greg Fenton. Please follow us at our Twitter account, which is at Fenton Mediation. So tonight, uh, we're having a conversation. I'm going to continue forward with uh, the shows each week. I think it's a contribution to providing education and information for the public to access. And also, it's basically, in some other way, a a respite or a distraction from the realities of what's going on in the broader world at this time. I want to welcome my uh, colleague, my friend, Alexandra Alvarado, and uh, she's going to share in the conversation. Alex, are you there? I am here. Yeah. So you're calling in tonight because you yeah. sound a bit distant. Oh, oh, is that better? Yeah, no, that's, no, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to clarify the listeners. I'm all alone here in the studio. And nobody else in the in the radio station area. You're kindly agreed to call in and to contribute to the conversation. And uh, how about you start off a little bit about your professional background? Yes, um, believe it or not, I'm a lawyer, and yes, I'm the good kind, and that is possible. <laughs> um, early on in my life, I decided I wanted to include alternative dispute resolution. As part of my curriculum as a lawyer, so I started uh, learning a lot, taking a lot of courses. I came here to Canada. I did my Master's of Laws in Alternative Dispute Resolution, which is basically everything that has to do with arbitration, mediation, negotiation, resolving conflict outside of the court. And I think that is what made me what I call a better lawyer because I can really see in people's interests and try to satisfy people's interests in everything that I do. Um, Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm not really working in the lawyer field. I am a senior manager, so I'm in the leadership field. And you have this uh, area that you've journeyed into, though, you know, you're you're focused on the management part of the area that you work in and and the type of work you do. Though I believe, if I know you well enough, that you have this passion for trying to work with people in a collaborative, cooperative ways. Is that something fair to say? Absolutely. I, I tell that to my people every day. I say we are a team. We are together in whatever we do, and that's what I try to um, instigate in people, that we are working as a team. Yeah, so when you mentioned that you're trained as a lawyer back home, and when you've migrated here, you opened yourself up to other possibilities as to a professional stream, career path. You got connected uh, with regard to a community-based agency, and that's where we actually connected. Tell yeah. me a little bit more about what happened there. Well, we were connected. I was volunteering at the community mediation um, agency, and it, it was it was truly amazing because I was able to do conduct mediations, um, do trainings, 
did a lot of translations from English to Spanish of materials, met a lot of really amazing mediators, especially met you, Greg, and you were very instrumental in providing me with the opportunity of, of um, practicing and volunteering there. It um, helped me have my Canadian experience, which also later on um, habilitated me to get my the job that I have uh, in the government. So it was it was a beautiful time. I really enjoyed doing all the mediations and trainings in in alternative dispute resolution. Yeah, and then I remember we also did some things outside of that. You and I did a number of workshops for uh, student uh, teachers. Yes, and that was also good. The fact that we were able to um, help future teachers know how to resolve conflict, I thought that was always an amazing thing to do. Um, I I think you and I share this mentality where we really want to make the world a better place and try as much as we can to help people um, resolve conflict in a better way, or at least not be scared of it, and know that the conflict per se is not what is what is the scary part. Is how people resolve it that is the scary part. And if you learn how to do it, then it will not be uh, a big mountain to surpass that people think it is. Yeah, and I, I see from my experience and maybe yours, you know, the scared part, the fear. The fear of the unknown, when people are going through a challenge with someone and they're feeling uncomfortable about it, and then ideally they want to be at a better place with regard to the situation, the circumstance, or the relationship, and, you know, where they're at is a known quantum. Where they want to go to is an unknown, though it's something that's in their mind. They don't know how it would really be in terms of living it. So the barrier, from my experience, is that fear of navigating through the unknown. And many times people actually seek to avoid. They go around it and hope someone else comes in and fixes it. Yes. Yes. And, and not only that, I think also that because people are scared, they, they freeze, like you say. They either freeze, they don't do anything, they hide under the table, they hope somebody else fixes it for them. But it's also the... The fact that they don't realize that from anything that happens in the world, the only thing that we can control is us. And so if there's a relationship, you know, with one or more people, you cannot control how other people react in this relationship. You can only control what you do in and how you contribute to that relationship. And as those people realize that they are the ones that have the power to make the change in the relationship, I think that also helps them move ahead in a better way. Yeah, and you you know, what I'm hearing from what you just said is that, you know, we can be influences on other people. We can't control, and, and nor should we look to control or have ownership of someone yeah. else's decision-making. Mm-hmm. We, we can influence that, especially as a third person, in a process. Mm-hmm. So what were you, for you, how would you describe the influences in your life and, you know, how you've navigated to where you're at now and why? The things that have influenced me in my life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think everything that, everything that happens to you, good and bad, 
affects you somehow. And in my life, many things have happened, good and bad. I actually think that the bad things are the ones that have taught me the, the best, uh, have given me the best um, teachings. And why would you say that? Because when, when something bad happens to you, that's when you have to, to come up with a skill set that you did not even know maybe you had inside you. That's when you have to come up with solutions and be creative. That's when you know you can remount, you can surpass. You can, it, it's really up to you. If those bad things never happened to you, your life would be, you know, nice, but you will not have extra skills that, that you, like, like in my case, I feel that I am different because things happen to me. If all of these things wouldn't have happened to me, I will not be the, the same person I am now. You mean with, the, with regard to the different challenges that you've experienced or faced? Yes. I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't have wanted to study alternative dispute resolution. Maybe I wouldn't have immigrated here. Um, there are many things and, and decisions and, and those form and create your life and your, your life and your pathway. And um, I used to think maturity helps. You know, you go through life, you have all these things happen to you, and then through life, you begin trusting yourself better. You begin being less judgmental of yourself. You begin being less judgmental of others. You begin being, like, relationships are being respectful. Not being judgmental. Relationships are about um, trusting other people and having them trust you. So everything that has happened to people in life are what creates them and make them the people that they're now, at least that happened to me. Um, I also remember that one of the things that happened to me very, very early in life was that my in my school they took us all to the movie theater and they projected a film that was called Gandhi. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember so much that I that really transformed the way that I saw conflict because Gandhi wanted to resolve everything with nonviolence. His theory was nonviolence, and for me that made such a difference because he made such a change in the world without using violence. And I realized the secret was to be able to to make changes in the world without using violence. Yeah, and I hear, you know, it's not only what you do, it's what you don't do, and then also as much how you do it and how you don't do it. Mm-hmm. And respecting others always. So what do you value in a relationship with someone? I think the important thing is to value that someone. You, it's, the important thing is appreciating people, respecting people respecting what they think, what they believe, even if you don't agree with what they think or they believe, you respect it. You don't judge them, and you value them as the person that they are. And that is what makes a difference, because then you can move on, you can laugh, you can enjoy your time together, even though maybe you two believe on different things. But you can still have this amazing relationship together, and you don't let all these things be in between you and them. Yeah, that like, uh, I mean, there could be something concrete and tangible, though many times it's in our mindset, it's in our headspace, that we create these uh, barriers of uh, difference, and we say Mm -hmm. those differences are what separates us, rather than 
looking at it from another point of view and seeing them as opportunities that actually can bridge us and connect us. Yeah, and, and the beauty in it, because if everybody was the same, it would be such a boring world. <laughs> well, you, you're different than me. Yet yeah, we, yeah, we're different. At the same we time, we... Alone. And we get, that's what it's just going to say. It's amazing. You're reading my mind. <laughs> so uh, we, we're going to transition into, you know, the focus for tonight. So for your point of view, what, what is leadership? What does that mean? Leadership is being there for your staff. I think that um, many people confuse leadership as something that involves themselves. Like, I am the leader. I am, you know, the one that will tell people what to do. When leadership is, is, is being there for the people, is doing things for them, it's service, it's caring, it's compassion, it's making the best out of what you can to provide the people that are working with you with the best tools and the best work environment you can create for them. That, that is what leadership is. And creating that trust. And you have to earn the trust. Once you earn the trust, then they are the ones that are going to believe that you are their leader. You cannot impose that on people. They have to see it in you. And once they believe it and they trust you, then things just flow. And that's the secret of it. Sounds easy. Easy? Is it easy <laughs> for you? What do you What do you see yourself as with regard to leadership? Um, I I take my my job seriously in the sense that you know I have a responsibility towards towards the public, towards the people that I work for, uh, but not seriously in the sense that I believe I am the most serious person in the world. And you know, even though as a manager, you know that. You are the one that makes the final decision. You're the ones that make a determination. You're the ones that have to create a strategies to guide the workplace. You still, I, I at least always think that the best way to do this is with the people. Is to, and that's what I was saying before. Is to create a team and work with everybody so that everybody gets a chance to. Um, you know, contribute, contribute, and um, suggest things. Um, where change comes, not only from from me, but also from the people, and that is such so important because they are doing the work on a day to day basis, and so they know the ins and outs so much better than I would. So, for me, it actually also makes my job easy if they are the ones contributing and helping in the change, because then they feel they are heard, I get the, the information that I need, and everybody feels that we are working in a team and getting out of whatever is happening or improving whatever we're doing together. And it creates such a difference when then versus just saying, okay, today you do this and you do that, and Nobody has a say, and people will not work the same if they don't feel involved or that they heard. or they have an opportunity to be involved and contribute yes, and heard so important to feel heard 
So her to the leader, her to the rest of the team members, or a combination of the two? A combination of the two. And I think that's when it's important that they know that they can trust you and they can come to you and they can say, you know, if there's something that they have a concern about something, they can come and tell you. And that's the best way that a leader can see if they have not realized it themselves that something may be going wrong. Or it can be something personal that is affecting them, and then you can help them. Because a leader is not only for the job. You can also help people on a personal basis so that they feel better and they are more relaxed at work. How do you see uh, leadership with regard to the possibility of uh, control, where the person takes full responsibility and there's a lack of contribution or even openness to contribute from the team? I think it's one-sided, and it's like flying blind. You, you need to know the landscape. You need to, you know, open your eyes and see the birds, the flowers, everything that is around you, um, hear the sounds. That's how you need that interaction of the people so that whatever you're doing it is it's, it gets informed so the decisions that you make are not decisions just only based on what you think would be good for the team. They're decisions based on what the team also believes is good for the team. So the decisions that you're going to make are going to be better, and not only that, they're also going to be better received by the team because they were part of the solution. So I, I just think it's... It, it works so much better. It makes it easier to. Um, I just started in a new workplace, and mm-hmm. um, you know, as a new leader, mm-hmm. you need to um, earn the trust of of the people you're working with. And I think that was the the part that was the one that I uh, worked the hardest on. Yes, you have to learn the business, but the most important thing as a leader is to earn the trust of the people. And once you do that, together with the knowledge of the business that actually comes also from the people, that's how you can do it. Otherwise, you are going to be stuck. So as a person who's in the position you are, that you have journeyed to be from where you were, and you know, just even recently, because you're more recently in this newer position, and as you mentioned... You had to provide that you had, quote, a sense of legitimacy in your new role. What are the qualities that you most appreciated as to other leaders that you've engaged with in terms of contributing to yourself? I've always appreciated leaders that are lighthearted, leaders that, that, that really are there for you, that help, that care that give you an opportunity, that trust you, that believe in you, that uh, all of those things are things that I admire in a leader. Um, because those are the things that make me believe in them and make me want to work with them. Otherwise, I would just be like, oh, I have to come here and I have to do these and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, because I have to. But if I admire the leader, if I trust them, if I know that they care, then I want to work with them. And that's different. It feels different. So that's one of the mo- the things that I mostly learned from from the great leaders that I had. 
Mm-hmm. And that is what I want to also be for my staff. I want to be a leader that they can trust, that they can come to, and that they know that I care. So what kinds of things did you try to do? Uh, have you tried to do with regard to your, you know, making yourself credible and legitimate in the space that you're at? You, you, you put it out that you had to get this credibility and legitimacy. Are there some kinds of examples that you could sort of share with us? You have to be honest. You have to be truthful, and you have to be yourself. Um, I've always been um, a person that takes life. Well, not maybe now more than than before, but gradually I have become more and more a person that takes things easy, that doesn't take things so seriously. That I've always been the the kind that add humor to whatever I do. So. Whenever, whatever you are doing, you have to be truthful to yourself so that the other ones will know you're not just a mask or you're creating this new persona in your job. You have to be yourself. So I think that is the, the thing that I do. I, I bring myself to work. I talk about myself. I say, oh, today this happened. Or, oh, you know, I was looking for these and I couldn't find them. It was underneath this other thing. And I joke, you know, if I make a mistake, I say, oh, you know what, this happened, I did this. And, and people are looking at me, they laugh, and they enjoy it, and they realize, well, she's, she's honest, you know, she's, she's real. And it, it's, it's that sense of, of trying for people to get to, to know you and to feel comfortable with you so that they gradually begin trusting you and... Um, and the communication begins flowing. So I joke, I have, if you see my office, um, I have a book that is called Being More Vader, like Darth Vader. Yeah. Um, Secrets for Assertiveness. <laughs> and it's right there, Be More Vader. You know, it, 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 it wouldn't make sense to have a book that says Be More Darth Vader, right? But there it is. And it's a funny book. I mean, it actually has a good quote about uh, being assertive. Um, my person gave me a book that is called Secrets of Attila, Leadership Secrets of Attila the Hun. And it's also there. Was it written reason. Was it written by Attila? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course yeah. it was written by him. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so people come to my office and they see these things and they laugh and they say, what? And I say, yep. That's exactly what I do every day. But, you know, if you know me, I will not do that, you know, but it's fun. Just to have some elements there that break the ice and make it easy. We spend so much time at work. Mm-hmm. We have to make it fun for them, for us. It's where we are, right? So it's enjoying the day, enjoying the life. Yes, doing the job, but you'll do it better if you're having a good time. And if you know you can trust the leader that is there with you. Otherwise, you're just there, oh, I have to go there. Oh. Well, I don't want that. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm hearing as well that when you can walk the talk, you know, present that your mindset is this, and be natural, it becomes much more transparent. It becomes real. Mm-hmm. And people pick up on that genuineness of, uh, and sincerity and there's a greater opportunity for people to appreciate that. And it's much that you put yourself in a vulnerable place by, you know, somewhat making fun of oneself. Yes, but it's so important to... to it, I don't know if it's only making fun of yourself. Okay. 
you have to know how to walk the line also, right? You make fun of yourself in moments that are important to do because there's maybe moments that you need to ease the moment and then you add a little bit of humor to that moment. People laugh a little and then you go. I'm, I, don't, I don't know if I would call it making fun. I think it's like you were okay. saying, it, being honest, being truthful, being genuine. Mm-hmm. I hope that's how you pronounce the word. Genuine, right? Genuine, yeah. Genuine, yeah. So, um, and there's nothing wrong with admitting that you did something wrong, especially, you know, one of those silly things you do sometimes. If you just say it, it's, it's fun because you laugh and then you move on. Okay. Um, it just adds to, to, to those things. It's just little details of little things that you do every day, little touches here and there of humor that keeps it fresh, and that's very important. So really, Alex, what does laughter really mean to you? Um, I think laughter is taking things easy. It's enjoying the moment. It's, for me, it's also being positive. It's um, appreciating the little things in life that create the big things in life. Um, it's uh, enjoying things. Um, Laughter is an expression of joy, an expression of, I don't know, I think that people that can laugh and laugh easily are the ones that do not take things seriously, that uh, appreciate the little things and enjoy them deeply. Okay. So how do you connect leadership with laughter, or is it laughter with leadership? Just think about that a little. Well, for me, it's about being me, because I am a person that adds laughter to the things that I do on a daily on a daily basis, right? So, for me, I'm adding myself to the equation. Um, so I am adding laughter to leadership. Um, but I also think that humor is very important. For the leader, and I'm sure you agree that whenever you hear a speech, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of the great leaders, you know, we have heard speeches from, the ones that add a little note of humor to their speech, you remember those a little bit more than the ones that are just plain fully serious, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why it's important. It you need to ease today and ease ease what you're doing. Um, and it works with everything. It's not only for the leadership, it's your daily life. You know, you have relationships of different kinds. And if you can add humor to any relationship that you have, you are really there for a better ride. Yeah, and I know I, know I mentioned earlier that uh, it uh, could be understood maybe one's making oneself vulnerable and also making fun of oneself in the sense that it's still there that you know, if you you present the whatever the comment or the point that you're presenting for others to connect with, and on a humorous level, that uh, it's really you're taking responsibility for the moment to try to make it, you know, somewhat a, a empathic way that people can actually navigate with better. Because sometimes mm-hmm. people will be uncomfortable with certain moments. 
and they don't know whether to laugh or cry or or say something else or do something else? Yeah. It um it makes you more approachable. Yeah. So how you're you're growing up. You've always been this person, this kind of humorous person, fun, easygoing. Um yes, I've always been easygoing. I think the more I grow up, as much as I can say I grow up, um the more the more I do, I think I add humor more to the equation because I am more confident in my own skin. I have more trust in myself. I have this big emotional intelligence um, where I know who I am. I know what I do. I'm aware of the situation. So I I just know I can add humor, and now I add it more and more in whatever I do. And um, maybe before, when I was not so sure about myself, I did not use it as much. I would maybe use it more in my personal level, but not as at work. Mm-hmm. And it was when I began realizing, wait a minute, it is really good if you use it at work that I began doing it and I realized, hey, it's not hurting me. It's actually helping me. I began using it more. Everything in life, I think it's something that you explore. You you are the one that finds your path. Even when I'm coaching um, other managers, yeah. Um, I always tell them that they have to find their voice and their path, and they will know how to do it their way. There is no secret as to you only have to do it this way, and you have to go from A and B, mm-hmm. from A to C through B, and that's the only way. No, you find it. It's your way, because you have to be genuine. You have to be yourself. Otherwise, you're just a copycat trying to do what somebody else did, right? Yeah, and you're not really connected to the concept and the intention of what it's supposed to provide or contribute to. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when people say, this is the way to do it, I would challenge it back to say, that's a way to do it. Especially as a leader, when you want to provide the space and the place for individuals to connect with these ideas on their own. And you've mentioned about... Th- the power of uh, individuality, people taking ownership of how they process the information you share so that they can better connect with it in their own way and adapt it and incorporate, you know, uh, uh, whoever they are, whatever way. Yes, and creating that workplace where everybody can be themselves and everybody is respectful about everybody else and you can enjoy the time that you're there at work while being respectful to others that's, I think, that's where you want to be, right? <laughs> Ideally, yeah. I mean, every time you and I get together, and to be transparent, we're friends as well, that yeah. um, I believe that we try to make light of our relationship in different ways, and we joke. How would you define your sense of humor? What kind of quality is it or characteristic? Every single kind of sense of humor you can imagine. I think it, it has a little bit of a dark side sometimes. Sometimes I joke about things and maybe some people will say, who? wait oh. a minute. You mean you they, know, they groan I, or something? Sorry? They groan? Uh, dark, you know, when you say dark humor, what do you mean? Yeah, dark humor. Like, for example, um, I don't know, maybe you should never say that a baby's ugly, right? 
but maybe you joke about that with your friends. Things that, you know, maybe you shouldn't be doing, but you can do it in a funny way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or, or just something very light, just something... There's a point in which you start laughing and you cannot stop laughing. It just starts. Yeah. There's even something called after yoga, that you go and just laugh, and it's really good for the body. Um, yeah, it, actually, I had a couple of former volunteers with CMSD, Downsview on here, a couple of years ago, Rita and Sammy, and they did, we did a show on laughter yoga. Yes, it is so good. I, I really like it. And I just, I just think that, it, for me, my humor is, I don't know, it's undefined. It's whatever it What do you think? Be. What do you mean? It's one of a kind? Please, uh, don't tell me you're one of a kind. Yes, we are all one of a kind, and that's what makes it great. I, I, you know, I would hate, I don't think the world is ready for another one of me. I think it's enough to have one of each person. To have a duplicate would be too much of everybody, you know. So, no, I, I really think that um, I, my humor is, it, it can be very light. I can, I can laugh with children with, you know, really benign jokes. Mm-hmm. Or I can laugh at very complicated jokes or dark jokes or things like that. I just laugh. I just take things easy. So you're, like, adaptable with your humor. Yes. That's powerful. That's how you do in life. You have to be adaptable in life, too. Otherwise, you won't survive. Well, not as well as you would ideally like to be or have the circumstance. So would you clarify that uh, in some way that you have a warped sense of humor when when I say that do you understand what I mean what do you understand when I say that anyways because I, I sort of define myself sometimes as having a warped sense of humor Warm? warped w-a-r-p-e-d warped oh I may not know what that means <laughs> well but I, but I'll have to no, practice it on you next time I see you no, but knowing you, I know that we're the kind that, for example, we can bug each other yeah. and make fun of each other, but we just do it because it's funny to do it, and it's nice, and it's, it's, if that is what you mean by warped, then yes, you do have that, yes. <laughs> and I think we feel, quote, safe to do that kind of humor with each other, yeah. because, um, as you mentioned earlier, there's a, a connection that we've established amongst us, there's an understanding, there's a trust. And there's a rapport, and there's that, uh, you know, we care about each other. Yeah, and that's the best thing to do with with friends, because just like I do with you, I have a great group of friends, which we just joke, we make fun. You mean you have other laugh. friends other than me, please? Is that what yeah, you're saying? I didn't want to tell you, but yes, I have other friends. <laughs> oh, my God, the realization on public radio. Oh. <laughs> No, yeah, and, and it's so nice that um, with my group, you know, with my friends, we just laugh. Sometimes we just can't stop laughing. And it's nice to have those moments that you just go for it. You just laugh. And and it's not that you are looking for something to laugh about. It's just that you start laughing about something and then you just begin joking or bugging or, you know, making fun or things like that, but in a nice way, never hurting. Never hurtful, right? And um, and and yeah, from there it's like laughter, laughing, uh, laughter yoga. Yeah, you just laugh, and it you really feel better after that. You sleep better. You, 
it's it's amazing how the body feels. I, I love it. Yeah, I remember on that show too that uh, Sammy and Rita would. Part of the purpose is that they break out in the spontaneous laughter, and mm-hmm. it you know for someone else who's not privy to the process of or the intention of it, and just come upon the two of them or the individuals going through laughter yoga, would say, "That's kind of weird. What's going on there?" They don't know the context of that. Yet for the individuals who's expressing themselves or exercising that kind of self-voice, it can be so powerful and cathartic. Yes, absolutely. Laughter is one of the best things you can do in life. It's relaxing. It's enjoyable. It's, it's, it's amazing. I, I, I just couldn't imagine not being able to laugh. I love it. So if there was a, an order, a directive from someone higher up that said no more laughter is allowed in this office or workspace, how might you deal with that? Mm, I will find my way to to make them realize that laughter is something that will benefit the workplace more than not. <laughs> <laughs> there is always a way. Um, yeah, or if not, I'll be one of the rebels. <laughs> sure, rock the boat, agitate for positive yes. change. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, we're talking about leadership, and I reference that it's a laughing matter. Court not, not to say that as a leader, you're a laughing matter. It's, it's just a play on words, bringing some humor to the framing of the title. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So I just see it as a so such a meaningful skill set for people that may not necessarily say or identify with that kind of skill set. How does that contribute to me as a leader? What do you mean? What do I mean with my question? Yeah. Well, that was sort of like a statement. Basically, it's like when people, if someone else who's not necessarily, if they were just to start in this moment listening to the program and uh, not have heard our context, the, the situational information that we try to provide to inform people of why we believe laughter, humor, having a sense of humor contributes to the quality of leadership and the effectiveness of a team, especially in the workplace, let alone any other place in life as a great opportunity to build connection and rapport. And you mentioned about emotional intelligence and using self-awareness as an opportunity to be connected with oneself and not use that as a limitation, use that as an opportunity then to connect with another, transcend to build a bridge with others. And humor yeah. can be such a powerful tool. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I think it's really important to add humor because it relaxes people, creates a good work environment. They, you become approachable as a leader. Um, you People trust you more because, especially if you're genuine about it. You know, um, one thing is to add humor forcefully or um, where, where it doesn't feel like it's part of you. Mm-hmm. You can still add humor. Like you can write something on your speech that, you know, could be funny. Um, but as I was saying before, not everybody is the same. And there are some people that could be more laughing about themselves than others, for example. 
So, so is is having a sense of humor or having that laughter, is that something that's more a natural thing, or can it be a skill that's acquired? I think it can be acquired absolutely. Um, it, it, for some, it's more natural than others, but for those that is not natural, you you just Anything in this life you can acquire. There are so many skills that you can just learn. <laughs> how many things can people not learn in life, right? So, yeah, you can learn how to include humor in a daily life and um, learn how to laugh more about yourself, laugh more about the situations, taking things easy, just rolling in a different, vibrating in a different uh, level, you know, and just, I don't know, it, it makes things easier for yourself and for everybody else around. So once you begin practicing and you begin feeling confident in your skin like that, it begins getting better. It's like anything, like playing an instrument, learning a language, anything, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It becomes more natural, not forced, and comes across as gen more genuine. Mm-hmm. Are you having a laugh? Alex. Always. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about leadership, a laughing matter. You know, when you used to do the community mediation stuff with a colleague, you know, because we worked under a two-mediator model, co-mediation, you know, one of the persons would be the leader, the mentor mediator of the newer mediator. And when you were in that role, how did you try to, because I would believe that you would, because it's just natural for you, how would you introduce the whole concept of humor or have fun in some way, even when these are serious matters of conflict for people? Um, I think I will start by modeling it myself because if, if, um, if, if, the, if I'm the leader co-mediator and the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm showing the ropes to the new one, um, if they see that I use it and it's working, and they see the benefits, then they will not be scared to use them themselves, use the methods themselves. So uh -huh. I think the best thing is to lead by example and, and adding, you be the one adding it. Um, you can also talk with them before the mediation and say, hey, you know what, it's, we can put some humor here and there, just being careful where you use it and all that. So it becomes a full part of the training. Yeah, I remember from my earlier days when doing the mediation stuff with the Downsview, that uh, different circumstances that brought a lightness or a sense of humor to the situation, though still was under the, you know, these are serious matters to people. There was one where we had a situation involving neighbors, and one side was uh, an older couple with a dog, and the other side was uh, an adult male who... It's about 22, though he had the capacity of a younger person intellectually in terms of appreciating life. So he was always, when he saw the dog, he would get so excited. Yet this created some kind of tension or conflict amongst the two neighbors. So we did a process at CMSD. And I remember when uh, it was the joint session time, the parties would come together, where the couple asked at the beginning if they could bring a, a photograph and put it on the table of the dog. So the dog was there because the dog 
couldn't actively participate. The dog was foundational to the tension amongst the two people. So it just mm -hmm. brought some lightness to the process, for example. Mm -hmm. And then I remember another situation where I had this pen that was given as a gift, and it's like uh, you click it, and uh, it's like a, I forget the movie, uh, it's a it's a scary, actually it's called Scary Movie. And uh, there was that, the symbolism, the black with the white face, and then you click this and the, and the arms would punch out. So I mm. would use that as a prop sometimes, just click it at the beginning of a process, and it sort of like distracted people from the tension that they were experiencing. Yeah. Any, yeah. any, any thoughts? Well, that's important. Um, and it's, it's bringing something unexpected to a place where it's, it's taking risks, uh -huh. controlled risks, uh -huh. and also bring unexpected um, interactions to, to a situation. Um, la joke, humor, um, hu humor or jokes, uh, that's one of the ways to, to bring a different um, element to the equation. Um, another way is to uh, acknowledge the other person. Like, for example, if, if somebody says, oh, Alex, you know, you never call me. I'm always the one calling you. No. My my typical reaction would be, what do you mean? I am always calling you. Why are you saying that I'm not calling you? I also call you, right? Mm -hmm. But instead of saying that, I could say, whoa, wow, you know what? Thank you for telling me this. I did not realize that, you know, you were thinking this. So why is it that I'm doing that makes you think this? You know? mm -hmm. And so the other person, because they're not expecting me to actually acknowledge what they're saying, yeah. they're going to, to immediately, oh, you know, it, it creates a little bit of a shock element. So then they will tell you what it is that they perceive you're doing. And then you can say, well, you know, this is actually what I'm doing. So the same thing that you would have said the first time, but the first time you're defending yourself and, hey, wait a minute, I also call you. You can still say the second time, but the second time, because you have already lowered the... the Tension, the, the energy, reframe that energy. The energy, yeah. yeah. So now you can say, well, you know what? Um... I thought I was calling you sometimes, but, you know, I guess I could call a little bit more. What do you think about that, right? And sometimes you know you are, you are calling, right? Yeah. And you're just using it as a way to negotiate and all that and, um, and diffusing the situation. But people do not do that. People usually, the first thing is to react and to defend yourself when somebody attacks you. Yeah. But if you just, create some sort of shock and say, hey, wait a minute, let me hear more about that, that sets it differently. Well, what I heard from what you just said is that instead of you reacting, which is about you filling up the space with your own emotions and sense of being to then project on the other person, you're taking a pause and you're providing the space for the person who asked or stated that to learn of and about what that means for them and to explain that more. So providing that space for them. Yes, that is exactly. It's uh, the Mandela Institute. It's responding instead of reacting. Yeah. So why are you having this conversation with me? Well, I I always think that... You have nothing you know, better to do on a Sunday night? Like, come on. 
No, I love everything that has to do that different before. Everything has to do that could make a little bit of a change in the world. And in this case, it's laughter, it's humor, it's, uh, you know, talking about things that make a difference. I, 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 you know, this is my passion, just like it's yours. So Mm -hmm. I will always, anytime you invite me, I will always very happily be there and talk about anything that you believe I can can be good talking about. Well, Um, you know, it's also challenging ourselves to talk about things maybe we're not so informed, though we wonder about, we're curious about, and we could probe that and pull it out and get more insight about it anyways. Yeah, it's always good. The more you talk about things uh, to improve yourself, the better. Yeah, even laughing. Even laughing. Well, laughing is natural. (laughs) Well, yeah, for some of us and others less. So I... Not for us, I mean. Yeah, and our relationship and our way of connecting and... We're just trying to share this information, this uh, opportunity for other people to learn of and about and take, uh, you know, do what they will with it, hopefully something. So I want to thank you for uh, contributing tonight and as we have to close out. Mm-hmm. No, thank you for inviting me. It has been great. And I hope people laugh a little bit more and enjoy their days. Yeah, especially with what, you know, the circumstances of what's going on in the broader society right now. And it's not to minimize in any way. It's just to provide some kind of way to process the tension of the the reality of what's going on there. Mm -hmm. So thanks very much, Alex, and we'll connect soon. Thank you. All right. We'll connect soon. Okay. You've been listening to Mediation Station on CHHA 1610 AM.